Welcome into a special Buff Stampede Radio. I'm Adam Munster-Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. And today we have a special show on tap for you. I feel very grateful, not only that it's game week for the Buffs, but also because of the great group of contributors that we have on the site. In this podcast, fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin and football analyst William Gardner, they're going to chime in with their thoughts as CU gets ready to kick off the abbreviated 2020 season. I hope you guys have had a chance to watch some of the analysis videos Brian Howell and I have done this preseason. I'm excited to announce the return of a popular writer on buffstampede.com. That'll come later in this podcast. Chase Howell and Vinay Simlot will be hosting a weekly post-game podcast this season. And of course, Jake Shapiro helps out a lot on the men's basketball side of the coverage on the site. And uh, before you know it, Tad Boyle basketball is going to be tipping off as well. Again, hopefully you've had an opportunity to watch the analysis videos that Brian and I have done. We'll have a UCLA preview video coming your way, but uh, you know, frankly, I'm sick of hearing myself talk. So let's get the thoughts of some of our esteemed contributors. Joined on the line by fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Hopefully folks that listen to this podcast listen to the free ball and pod as well. I was driving around doing some errands the other day, was listening to you guys. You did a, a good pod kind of doing a draft with the different positions. I, I enjoyed listening to that. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. It's nice to get that back in kind of a more weekly swing. We haven't had a whole lot to discuss over the summer, so it's been kind of slow. So it'll be nice to get that going on a weekly basis. Uh, appreciate everybody out there that listens. It's a lot of fun for us. And then we get basketball very shortly after as well. So it'll start picking up here pretty quick. And we lost Tyler Murray to Arizona. What's happening I know. there? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, he moved down there with his girlfriend. So we'll see how that goes. This would be the first time that, well, I guess this year it doesn't matter because there are no fans. But uh, it, it'll be an, an adjustment for him, I think, because he's as big of a CU fan as there is on the planet. So <laughs> We'll get that Southwest credit card. One of these days you'll actually be able to travel and not feel exactly. guilty about it. And we can get him back out here for the first some CU games. Just wanted to get your general takeaways from preseason camp. I mean, there's, I guess I would just say there's a lot of unanswered questions, right? Um, just by the nature of the whole COVID situation, new staff, a lot of new faces on the team. Um, I would say in general, what I do, well, I guess, you know, if we, if we trust the depth chart, you know, we've heard a lot of camp superstars in years past that end up not really playing. Um, if you trust the depth chart, you're going to you're going to see a little bit of a different attitude in regards to that from this staff, which I appreciate. So, I mean, if Christian Gonzalez, we heard a lot about throughout camp really is your starting corner. Uh, that would be an awesome development. Obviously we heard a lot about Jarek Broussard at running back. Um, now he's your day one starter. So uh, if that stuff really comes into play, I think that it'll be nice. You can at least trust what, what you're hearing and um, practice and stuff as translating onto the field a little bit more than maybe in years past. Obviously, the outside expectations are very low for the CU football team. What do you feel like the true expectations should be set, you know, in terms of this team going into the season? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little bit up in the air. Um, Obviously, quarterback is going to have a huge impact on what this program does, any program does. Um, You know, expectations are low, and it's hard to really argue against that, right? I mean, they've most of the last 20 years, the program hasn't exactly been put on the national map. 
But haven't they gone over that that over under with the win total pretty much yeah. every year since twenty sixteen? Yes, they have, and I think. But you know, they're still going five and seven. I mean, I think from a national, if you're if you're talking about this from a national perspective, I can understand why Colorado continues to be below the radar. Um, you know, if you throw a couple five and sevens in there with a seven and five, and people watch you in a bowl game, it's a little bit of a different story. But we just haven't been able to cross over that threshold. So I understand why people are down on them overall. Uh, I do think outside of the quarterback, this team has a lot of talent. Uh, definitely more depth than the program has seen in a long time. I think there's a lot of positions where this team is at least average to good when you compare it to the rest of the Pac-12. I just think ultimately that quarterback position is going to say a lot about what level of success this year has. Speaking of quarterback I wanted to get your thoughts on Sam Neuer being named the starting quarterback. It sounds like the quarterback competition was really close. If you were in charge of making that decision, what do you think you would have done? Well, I mean, you play the best guy. So, you know, I'm not in, in practice. I'm not watching anything right now. I think that's ultimately what the staff would want to do, right? Of course, you're going to play the best guy and take your chances. Now this isn't a knock on Sam, but you know, I I wasn't thrilled. You know, I, I think it, it's more of a mark on Tyler Lytle's progress than necessarily it is on Sam. I mean, I'm happy for Sam. He's been through a lot. He transferred out of the program. He played safety for a while last year. Like it's a cool story, right? But I'm not sure that him starting is what the program would have wanted long-term. You would have liked to have seen Tyler Lytle step up and win that job. I mean, he's been in the program for a couple of years now. He wasn't switching positions. He didn't leave the program for a while. He was given every opportunity to win that job and still wasn't able to do so. That That is a concern, I think, long-term for sure. Obviously, Brendan Lewis, there's a lot working against him. He's a freshman. It's probably unrealistic to expect him to come in and be – the clear cut go-to guy, but I think you would have liked to have seen him maybe make a little bit more noise in the race. Um, so I would just say overall the quarterback room, you can't feel super confident that anyone was blowing away camp with the way this ended up. But, you know, obviously I hope that Sam Neuer proves me wrong and goes out there and throws for 300 yards every game. Which offensive player do you feel is most primed for a breakout season? Uh, I feel like I've said this in a couple different pods now, so I have to stick with it. I like Dimitri Stanley. Uh, Dimitri Stanley is my guy. There's definitely some hype around other wide receivers in the program. Um, Katie Nixon, Daniel Arias has gotten a lot of hype in camp, uh, Brent Rice even. But to me, I think especially in a year where you have a quarterback that is mobile, uh, Dimitri is a quick twitch guy. He can um, have a lot of success on third down and when those plays are broken down. So he's a guy that I would like to see have a much bigger year. I'm always a sucker for a fluid athlete. And that's what Dimitri Stanley is. Yeah. Do you remember going out to watch him play in high school? And he had yeah. the hand warmer. I think it was probably like late October game. And he had sour patch kids in his, yeah. in his handler. kids, man. You got to love it. I mean, they, I forget who they were playing that game, but yeah, it was uh it was a whooping, as I recall. So he, he could afford to have Sour Patch kids in his warmers. <laughs> <laughs> what about the defensive side of the ball? Is there a player you feel is primed for a breakout season there? Yeah, I think Darian Rakestraw, um, which is probably the obvious answer there, right? He You could almost say he probably broke out in the second half of last year as well. 
Um, he was a guy that I love, you know, he's a two-star, not very highly recruited, uh, recruited player out of high school that I liked a lot. You could always see a lot of fluidity in his athleticism. Um, he started out at wide receiver. I think he ended up in the right spot though. Um, he's natural at that safety position. He's improved as much as anyone on the team. And I think now that he's comfortable in that system, just in general, the defensive players should feel a little more comfortable this year because they, even though there's coaching changes, there, you know, there's a lot of stability on that side of the ball um, from a player perspective and from a coaching perspective as well. So um, I think that defense in general has a chance to be pretty good. But I think Darian Rakestraw could take it to an all-conference type of level this season. Which newcomers are you most excited to to watch this season? Um, I think Brendan Rice is the one guy that really has me really happy. I mean, um, as soon as you saw his film in high school, it still blows my mind that he wasn't a four-star. I know he came on late and didn't have much production until later in his career, but he's, I can't say NFL ready, obviously, because he's 18 years old, but he's a freak. Kind of in that same mold that when LaVisca Chenault came in, you could tell right away, this dude has an NFL body, NFL athletic abilities, um, and we'll just see how long it takes him you know, it, how quickly does it click for him? Well, this didn't play much in year one. I'm not sure if Brendan will play a ton this year either. But to me, he has all the tools to be an all-conference type of guy, if not even more than that. So I definitely uh, want to see him out there. Uh, defensively, Christian Gonzalez, I think for the exact same reason, he's sounds like he's going to be starting. We really wanted him uh, underrated, I think, nationally. You know, he, his ranking was pretty good. He was a borderline four-star pretty much everywhere. But for him to be basically between Purdue and Colorado is a little bit surprising to me. And I think people will be talking about that as career goes on. Long and lanky athletic player, exactly what you want to see in a cornerback these days. I think he's going to be a ton of fun. Those are the two big ones. In Gonzo. You have to love that nickname. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot now, Tyler. What's your score prediction for CU season opener against UCLA? Uh, people are going to be pissed at me, but I have a very specific reason for why. Um, I haven't watched Colorado stop a running quarterback in a long time. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson, everybody who ever plays for Arizona, it's the same result every time. I'm going to make it clear, we're better than UCLA. This is a game that we should win, but to me, until I see us actually stop that style of offense, I can't, especially in conjunction with, we don't know what we have at the quarterback position yet. I have UCLA 27, Colorado 21. Carl Jarrell's first season in Boulder will be a success if dot, dot, dot. If they finish it. Um, I think that's the first step for sure. But I would say if they go three and four, people would have to be pretty satisfied with that. In a conference-only season, um, three games has kind of been the benchmark for what you want to see. You can you can make a bowl game with that in a traditional season, right? So if you're winning three conference games, which we are, and you're playing two less games than normal in that scenario, I think that would be a result that people could probably live with. Um, even though it's a conference-only schedule, I would say we got a pretty favorable one. Um, overall, there's some winnable games out there for sure. So, you know, one in six – the people aren't going to be very happy, even though there's a lot of reason for this season going off the rails. I mean, it's just, you just don't know what you're going to get. And finally, assuming CU does play seven games, a big assumption, you know, you, you said uh, 
three and four would be a successful season, but what do you think mm-hmm. their record will actually end up being? I think two and five is probably the most likely scenario, but I could see them going anywhere from one and six to four and three pretty reasonably. Like you can make those arguments and I wouldn't be super upset. You know, I, I think, I think that's, there's a lot left out there, right? There's a lot of unknowns. We'll have to see how it goes. I, I think the talent is certainly there to exceed that, but I just need to see the quarterback play, I think be a little bit more consistent. And of course there's always that, potential. I mean, we already saw Alex Fontenot is injured right now. We didn't really hear a whole lot about that. Um, COVID obviously throws some things up in the air. So I'm being a little more cautious, um, which is typical for me in my prediction, I think. All right, Tyler, appreciate you. Uh, looking forward to getting into this season and uh, great to have you contributing as well. Again, go out there and subscribe to the free bowling pod. Yeah. Hopefully they go seven and zero. that 2020 would end the right way. All right. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate you. Have a good one, y'all. Joined on the line by William Gardner. William, uh, it's exciting. We're in game week. There's a CU football game about to take place. It's kind of crazy. It, it, it's sort of surreal in a way because it's November uh, 2nd and we're in getting ready for our first game. So, you know, usually we would have had a, a, a substantial part of the season, preseason football, spring ball, the whole nine yards. But it, it just sort of seems uh, – it, it's it's – very different really than anything I've ever really experienced in college football, which I guess it is. So very excited. Yeah. I've had it called a lost season, a sham season at me, like on on Twitter. And basically what I've come back with is, Hey, we're just trying to make lemonade out of lemons right here. I mean, this is what kind of 2020 is, right? Hey, they're playing, you know, I mean, a few a few months ago, it looked like there wasn't going to be any football. So we're playing. Uh, you know, we'll get through one week at a time and see how it goes. But you know, I don't know. It's it's, it's better than six games. It's better than no games. Is how I look at it. And we've been a long time without any football from Boulder, so it's about time. I know you've been following along. What just are your general takeaways from preseason camp? Obviously, uh, none of us media folks were actually able to go in person, but I feel like the coaches have been pretty forthright. What, have you had some yeah. thoughts based on the on the coverage that's been out there? Yeah, um, you know, what we were just talking about kind of made me think, though. First of all, I was watching that Michigan-Michigan State game on TV. I'm not going to talk about the outcome. But what really kind of jumped out at me was that huge empty stadium with nobody but the families in it. So I think that's going to be very weird to watch from from Boulder uh, Saturday and not be up, actually up there, you know. So uh, as far as, like, takeaways from preseason camps, kind of hard to say. You know, uh, we didn't see any practices. We didn't have any spring ball. We got a new staff that hasn't practiced or played a game yet. Um, so in many ways, it's just kind of speculation based on what we've heard, but I think the the, the very first thing that I take away from it is I think we're going to be pretty solid on both lines. I think the offensive and defensive lines are going to be pretty good. And I'm pretty excited about that. So that's the first thing. And then, um, one thing that come comes through to me is it seems to me, this team has a really strong bond. And I think that putting them all at the harvest house was a really very smart idea and I've seen a lot of teams over the years that are better than their talent level because they're a team, because they play together and they play for each other. And so that's another thing that kind of jumps out at me. 
Um, it feels to me like the leadership on this team is strong, particularly on defense with, uh, and the two names that jump immediately to my head are Mustafa and, uh, Nate Landman. Um, and then I, I think the offensive line sounds to me is leading that offense right now in terms of older guys like Kari Kutch and, um, Will Sherman, guys like that. And then, uh, I think this team is hungry. I think they're. I think they've heard a lot of stuff about how much how much they suck, and they think they want to prove something. Kind of building off that, I was going to ask you about the national media and their low expectations for this football team. Uh, I was going to say, I was going to ask you, is this justified? It's pretty clear based on your comments there that uh, maybe the expectations for CU football should be a little bit higher th- this season. Yeah, I, I think they should be a lot higher, and I think there's there's. Uh, I come at it from two different perspectives. First, um, I mean, I get where they're coming from. They see a new staff. They see we lost our our, our three-year starter quarterback. We lost our first-round draft pick uh, offensive star. We lost our left tackle. Um, you know, and our our defense at many for most of the year was pretty bad last year. So they probably look at us and go, "Well, you know, they're not going to be very good." But I think that's not fair. Um, because on one hand, they don't have any real understanding of what's on this team. And and I, I think as far as what I see at every position outside of quarterback and maybe some of the secondary positions is we have as much talent or more talent and depth than I've seen on a CU team in a long time. More so than 2016, if you ask me. I think we have um, game impactors or, you know, I'm not sure if they're game changers yet. On defense, I think we do. Uh you know, guys like Mustafa and, and um, Lang and Wells and, you know, uh, Darian Rakestraw has been a game changer at times. So we have those guys on deep. Nate Lamman is clearly a game changing kind of a guy. And then I think we have some guys on offense who could be that. So I think we have players. I think we have question marks. And the two biggest question marks to me are still the same ones from when we did our podcast in the summer is coaching staff and quarterback. So I see where they're coming from. But the other side of it to me is who's scary on our schedule? Who are we playing? That's a world beater. I don't see it. Best team on there is probably Southern Cal and they're not unbeatable by any means. So I look at six teams. It's not grueling. We're not going to get worn down. Um, We've got some good games at home. So I I think I, I look at that schedule and you don't have to be a great team to win three or four games against that schedule. So that's how I see it. I, I, I do think we're being taken very lightly, and, and I think they're wrong. You mentioned the question mark at quarterback. What were your thoughts on Sam Neuer being named the starting quarterback? Uh, obviously, it was a close competition. If you were Danny Langsdorf slash Carl Durrell, what what decision are you making? Well, I got to tell you, I got to tell you this from a coaching perspective: is I can't tell you because I didn't see the practices, I didn't see the reps, and I'll tell you. You know, especially on coaching the offensive line, um, let, because you got five guys, you got to five positions you got to pick. Less so on the D line. You know, most of the time I was coaching D line with a four man front. You had to find four starters, and um, you know, sometimes it's not an obvious thing that you can look at and go, "Well, that guy's just better." Sometimes you're watching all those reps. You're watching them on film after scrimmages. You're, you're watching how they work in a weight room. You're watching how they do in. in you know, whiteboard sessions. Do they know that? Do they know the offense? Do they know what their assignments are? Can they play well with the guy next to them? Can they lead? Um, and sometimes you watch that day after day 
And at the end, at, 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 at the end, when it's time to make a decision, it's in your gut and you just know which guy it is. And you couldn't say, well, it's that guy because A, B and C. So I, I have to trust the quarterback coach. I really do because I'm not there. I haven't seen it. Uh, that being said, I'm, I'm not wildly upset about Sam Neuer winning the job. I guess we'd all wish we had a, a, a pipeline at quarterback like we have a running back, but we haven't had that at CU in 20 years, 25. Well, it's been 1997 since CU's had a quarterback drafted. Yeah, and 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 probably you know right about that time and before is when we had a second teamer who was as good as the first teamer. You know, uh, so we haven't had that in a long time. So it's not something we've gotten used to by any means. Nobody thought that Cepho was going to be that great going into his senior year. And he led us to 10 wins. Um, and I think Neuer is similar to Cepho in terms of toughness. You know, he's not going to set the world on fire and get drafted as a QB. But I think if we give him a game plan that keeps him within his skill set, he could be a pretty reasonable uh, game manager for us. I don't think we need to have, you know, young John Elway out there by any means. I guess I should have used a, a newer name, but that's how old I am. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which offensive player do you feel is most primed to break out this season? Um, well, you know, I was going to say uh, uh, Fontenot, but then we find out he's not playing, so I'm not even sure what the injury there is. Um, so I was, I, but still in terms of the season, if it's not a season ending injury, I think Alex Fontenot is going to take to the next level. And then obviously that leads you to, uh, Jarek Broussard sounds like from camp has been the, the star of camp and, uh, from film looks like he's really got the, that quickness that we saw in his high school film. So I think he's one for sure. I think, uh, Kari coach is going to play himself into the NFL draft based on everything I've heard. Uh, you know, he's up, up at, 310 or bigger and you know you hear sometimes it's all coach talk but when a coach says he's head and shoulders above what he was last year that's pretty good because he was decent last year to begin with so he's another one and then the other one that really comes to my mind we've been waiting on for a couple years is Daniel Arias getting that starting position and his combination of speed and size and ball skills frankly is is pretty exciting. So we'll see what he does there. Those are the ones that come to my mind. Which defensive player do you think is going to break out this year? Um, well, you know, so it's going to be the, the names I'm going to name are guys who, who are returning starters and people may say, well, they're, they, they've already broken out, but I think they're going to break out to a higher level. I think Carson Wells, because I don't think he's well known outside of Colorado. And I think that foot injury really held him back last year. And I think he's going to show what he can do. I think Jalen Sammy, is going to break out and be a national level player that people look at and go, wow, that guy changes the line of scrimmage. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him this year after another year in the weight room. I think he's going to push some centers around and people are going to have trouble with him. I think um, Terrence Lang is going to take that next step and be a formidable pass rusher. I think Akil Jones now, you know, with some playing time under his belt is going to step forward. And then Mark Perry, I think is, is going to, really team up and do well with uh breakstraw so those are the guys that kind of stand stand out to me on the defensive side are there some newcomers you're anxious to watch uh, obviously the depth chart came out i don't think there's going to be a ton of freshmen getting in there but we've got a couple of juco transfers as well who are you looking at in that group well so the first one i think that 
the, the, the guy who's on the hype train going full speed ahead is Christian Gonzalez. So, you know, and they, that new depth chart lists him at number one at one of the cornerback spots. So, hey, let's see what he can do. Uh, that's pretty exciting to me that he can beat out all those guys who have so much more playing experience. Um, and then I'm going to throw one at you that's that's probably unexpected, but just based on on some of the video we've seen from practice, Chris Carpenter at returning at, at kick and kickoff and punt returner. Ooh. He, he looks like a guy who could take a few back all the way because, man, is he quick, quick and fast. So Chris Carpenter is another one I want to see on on particularly punt returns. You don't see so many kickoff returns anymore, but punt returns for sure. And then Brendan Rice is such a physical specimen, and he's listed second team. You know, all three of those young guys, a wide receiver, are listed on that depth chart, and they're all three exciting to me. But he looks like he's an NFL guy, you know, just in terms of his body and, and everything else. So I'm excited to see him. And then uh, on the defensive side, I'm going to say Lloyd Murray. He's not technically a newcomer, but he's kind of a newcomer. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to play last year. And to see him pass up Austin Williams and, and Janaz Jordan at that nose spot is very exciting to me. So I'm, I'm really, really curious to see what he does. All right, William, I'm going to get you on the record here. What is your score prediction for CU season opener against UCLA? Well, so I was thinking about it. I think they're going to struggle with our defense because I think we're going to be pretty good on defense. And I really don't know what to expect from our offense because I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know what our play calling is going to be. Um, so, But I think we've got some weapons. And so I'm going to go with CU 24 and UCLA 17. Okay. I think we're Carl- going to outscore them a little bit. Carl Durrell's first season in Boulder will be a success if dot, dot, dot. To me, we got to get a winning season. That that that's simple. So you know, four wins ultimately, somehow or not. If we play, assuming we play the seven wins, mm-hmm. seven games, I, I think four wins, and I'd like to see an uptick in recruiting towards uh, signing day. However, things work out. I mean, it's, I don't think it's fair to hold them accountable right now. But once you got some games on the field, then you can got more to sell. So so I'm looking for four wins and uh, an uptick in recruiting. Like you said, hopefully CU gets seven games in. That's a big if at this point as we're sitting here uh, going into the season. But uh, assuming that does happen, what do you expect the bus record to be in 2020? Uh, I'm looking at that schedule. And again, huge question marks to me on offense, but um, I'm saying four and three. I think we're going to find four wins in there because I just, you know, I look at that schedule and like, okay, maybe we're not national championship caliber, but nobody else on that schedule is either. So I think there's four wins to be had in there for a well-coached team. And you're going to be doing a weekly film room session on the side. I'm really excited for that because you've been doing that on the board before, and now we're going to, you know, get it out on the front page, maybe get a few more eyeballs on it. Yeah. So we'll have to, you know, we'll have to watch each game and we'll have to pick out a, a couple of plays and, get them off of YouTube or something somehow. Did you figure out how to, how to do the film? I've, I've got a plan for that. What do okay. you have a certain criteria you're going to be looking at as you watch these games for potential film room features? Um, I don't know. You know, I think, I think you have to wait and see what happens in the game. And, and it's not always the most, you know, like, Hey, the 90, the 90 yard path, like in the Nebraska game, certainly that flea flicker would be something you'd look at, but sometimes there's a play in the middle of a game that changes the whole 
perception of the game and it's not something that's necessarily a highlight so to speak it's not a 70 yard run or a sack or whatever but um i you know when i would look at those plays generally when i would pick those plays last year and the year before whatever to to put them on the board i was looking to illustrate something here's how here's something about linebacker play here's why davion taylor's speed is so important uh here's why akil jones i'm telling you looks like a whole different player this year, something like that. And then sometimes a play just jumps out at you and you go, Hey, you want, here's why Nate Lamont's great. Let me show you. So we'll see, we'll see how the games play out and keep an eye out and, and watch for something. Well, you were there with me through this whole uh, pandemic. Uh, obviously it's ongoing, but just in terms of the shutdown, we did see you sports jeopardy and uh, the all time CU draft. Uh, I really appreciate your contributions to, to the podcast. Well, those were both of those were a lot of fun. I, I just had a blast doing the Jeopardy and and the uh, sports draft. The all time CU draft was just a blast, and I see we got a lot of we actually got some Twitter um, follow up on that one. You know, people weighing in, including some you know big name. I think Gary Barnett weighed in on that at one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, who was it? The uh, other old coach, athletic director, weighed in on that at one point, blocking it, blocking the name, but. So that was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate you keeping me involved in it. Because, yeah. like everybody else, you know, I needed a way to. Man, sometimes this year has been al- alcohol inducing. I guess is <laughs> good way to put it. Well, uh, hopefully, for the CU fans listening in, this football season doesn't have the same effect on them. William, again, I really appreciate you, and looking forward to those film room features in the future. Thanks, Adam. Let's hope let's hope we get all seven games and we do it for seven weeks. We're joined on the line by Sean Niehoff. Sean, uh, you did writing for BuffStampede.com back in the day. Excited to have you back as a contributor to the site. Uh, uh, this is this is big news for the site. I'm excited to be back. It's uh, something that I enjoy doing and I've missed it for the last several years. So I'm happy to to be back and able to contribute. What were your overall general takeaways from preseason camp with the Buffs? Well, it was relatively quiet, but I think that uh, in a transition year and, you know, camp and with COVID and everything else, that's probably a a plus that there wasn't a a whole lot of news. There were no major surprises aside from yesterday's, you know, news on, on Alex Fontenot and then possibly the quarterback selection, which I think was less surprising as, as it was disappointing for some people, but, um, you know, and, and I think that uh, with no big news, it's, you know, the excitement about the team is maybe a little, be a little tempered to, to kind of match the outside expectations, but it's been really interesting for me to watch how Durrell has chosen to uh, approach, you know, what's in essence a preseason. Um, I think I might've been tempted to, uh, roll the dice a little bit and throw a lot more of the young talent into the mix and, and look at developing them. But I, I think it says a lot about what he thinks about the team that, you know, he thinks he can compete um, as they are and continue to to build on the culture. So you mentioned those outside expectations, obviously they're low. What do you feel like expectations should be for this football team? I, I think the outside expecta- expectations are justified. Um, Really, you've got a new coach who who's respected, but certainly wasn't a sexy hire. Um, you've got a new quarterback that, as we mentioned, is not going to excite a whole lot of people. And then you're replacing a lot of key pieces on a team that still hasn't taken that next step. Um, 
but personally, I'm a little bit higher on the team, not, you know, not significantly, but I, I think that I, they're going to be more in line with what we've seen the past couple of years. I don't see a big regression. Uh, I think with some aligned continuity and, you know, the return, what we return on defense, that this could be a, you know, in a normal season, a six win season. So, and I think there's a handful of winnable games uh, on the schedule and I won't be surprised if they, you know, overreach expectations by a couple games. You talked about the quarterback position. What was just your general initial reaction when Sam Neuer was named the starting quarterback? Um, I wasn't, I wasn't really surprised. Um, just based upon the way, you know, camp seemed to be playing out. I, I think that um, I'm not big in the camp of, you know, worrying about throwing a young talent in too early um, and scarring them. I think that the kids come into to college a little, a little more prepared than they used to. And they've, they've had a lot of high expectations and they've oftentimes the, you know, the quarterback especially has carried their team for a long time. So I, I might have been, like I said, a little more, a little more of a gambler and and rolled the dice with, you know, with a young guy, even though he's maybe not ready, just because it gives you that, you know, potential fifth or sixth year. But which offensive player do you feel is most primed for a breakout season? So I'm going to cheat on this one because I think that I, I think that it's got to be the O line. If if CU is going to make any noise this year and they're going to be competitive at all. Um, that's the group that that's going to have to to carry the team with a brand new quarterback, um, you know, behind center and a, a stable of running backs that up until yesterday was was really deep and and I think still has a lot of talent. So, um, you know, I think it I think they've got the potential to to be a really solid unit this year and and exceed you know what they've done in the past. What about on the defensive side? Who's going to going to break out on that side of the football? So I don't know if this is really breakout, and I'm going to cheat a little bit here too, but um, I'm going to say both Carson Wells and Chris Miller. And and while they're somewhat proven commodities and we know, you know, we've been able to see what they can do, those two have had, you know, injuries that have really limited their availability, um, you know, and their production. But if they stay, stay healthy this year, I think there's a tremendous amount of talent potential there that will, will really take what they bring to the next step. Which newcomers are you most anxious to watch this season? Well, I think the obvious name, you know, for everybody is Christian Gonzalez. But um, but at this point, it's almost like he's, you know, he, he's been named the starter and, and everybody's expecting, you know, pretty solid things out of them. So I'm excited to see somebody on offense, um, whoever that's going to be that, that steps up. I think that side of the ball is going to need a spark at some point. Um, and whether that's, you know, whether that's Clayton um, in the backfield because of, you know, Fontenot missing right now, or more likely one of the young wide receivers. It looks like that might be, you know, B. Rice right now, um, based on where he sits on the on the depth chart. But I think he might be the guy that's put himself into that position. All right, we're going to really dive into it now. What's your score prediction for CU season opener against UCLA? So, um that's just like throwing a dart, I think, at this point. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't see UCLA's defense making major strides this year, um, especially early on with their transition to the four-two-five. And I think that they're going to have some offensive challenges this year. You know, uh, DTR is a, a known commodity, but uh, in, in losing Kelly in the backfield, and they don't really have 
you know, a stellar wide receiver core. They're very capable. Um, I just think they're going to be challenged. I, I think that, I think CU wins this game on the line of scrimmage um, on, on both sides of the ball. It's not going to be pretty, um, probably relatively low scoring, but I'm going to say 20 to 17 CU. Carl Durrell's first season in Boulder will be a success if dot, dot, dot. I think I think it's in my from my standpoint. I think it's already been a success. I think he's established what he wants to establish. He's got the buy-in of the team um, because expectations on the outside are low. Uh, I don't really think that he's gonna you know screw a lot of things up. Um, I think if if they if they're able to to win two or three games, um, he's they've got some creativity. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and he's not afraid to make the the changes when he needs to make them, which I think, uh, you know, it sounds like like nobody's got a really long leash. Um, then I think everybody's going to be, you know, relatively satisfied. What do you think their record's going to be? So, like I, you know, like I said earlier, I think this team's going to overachieve a little bit, and there are three to four winnable games on the schedule. Um, so I'm not going to be. I'm going to say three and three. I would not be surprised to see them in the season three and three, the equivalent of a six win season, um, and you know, kind of kind of be at that point where they're ready next year in a in a hopeful, hopefully regular season to take that big next step. All right. Well, folks need to check out your preview of UCLA. You're going to help us out on game day as well. Again, Sean, it's it's great to have you back as a contributor to the site. Happy to be back and uh, looking forward to it. The stage has been set for the 2020 CU football season. Fingers crossed that we can get through this without any major hiccups. Again, Chase Howell and Vinay Simlot will be doing a weekly post-game podcast. We'll get back into the swing of things with a regular mid-week podcast as well. It's been a crazy year, but CU football is back.